The longest that I have ever been away from my wife and children is 15 days. It's not unusual for me to be gone for about a week or so, maybe to a continuing education conference or um, serving on a mission trip or even speaking or preaching an event for another church or maybe even for the seminary. But in most of my traveling, I'm usually gone for no more than a week at a time and then I come back home. But in 2010, I traveled with my seminary uh, professors and a number of my classmates to the Holy Land and to Egypt for a 15-day trip that really was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And it was a nice break from the busyness of church work and from the chaos of sleepless nights trying to care for Brennan, who at that time was almost two years old, and Lawson, who had just turned one. Angela was a trooper while I was gone, working a full day and then coming home and taking care of the children. It was a challenge to check in with her on a daily basis because there was a seven hour time frame difference between us. And of course, we were only able to maybe check in for just a few minutes a day just to say hello and to tell each other that we loved one another. The first week of being gone was fairly easy for me, but when we got into week two, I have to tell you, I really began to miss them. Now, while I really enjoyed this trip, I was ready to come home and to give my wife a hug and to play with my boys. You know, they say that absence makes the heart grow fonder, and I believe there's truth to that. Once you've been away from your loved ones for an extended period of time, you start to miss them. And you wish that you could either transport them to where you are or that you could go home to be with them. As we begin our first sermon in our new series entitled Thankful, we come to Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. And it's here that Paul is writing a letter to a church that he established many years ago. Now, if you remember, Paul is a missionary and he's responsible for establishing a number of churches. But this particular church seems to be one that he is very fond of. Now, Philippi was a Roman colony in Macedonia where Paul arrived on his first Christian mission. It was there that he met Lydia down by the river and he shared the good news of Jesus Christ with her. It was also the first time that Paul got into trouble with the Roman authorities for civil disobedience. After driving out a spirit from a female slave who was being used for money to predict the future, her owners brought Paul and Silas before the authorities to be arrested, and they were thrown in jail. Despite their efforts, though, to imprison them, God delivered them from prison, and the magistrates finally let them go peacefully. Now, later on in the book of Acts, we find that Paul would make two other missionary journeys to Philippi during his missionary trips, establishing a good rapport with many of them there and developing deep friendships within the church. And he writes this letter to them from prison, from the confines of Roman imprisonment. He has been arrested for declaring and defending the gospel of Jesus Christ, but he has not forgotten them. In fact, Paul tells them, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Did you catch that? Paul tells them that every time he remembers them, that he gives thanks to God for them. 
Now, I really understand what Paul is saying here because, you know, God has blessed me with the gift of serving four different congregations in my 20 years of ministry. And every church that I have served is very special to me in different ways. The first church I served in Bennettsville, South Carolina, took me in as a college graduate, as green as could be, and they loved me and supported me as I ministered to them. My pastor there in Bennettsville, the Reverend Dr. Scott Andrews, actually married Angela and I, and he also baptized our first child, Brennan. My second church was in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and they welcomed me warmly as their new youth director and nurtured my faith. And they even affirmed my call to ordained ministry. And not only did they encourage me to go to seminary while I served the church there, they even paid for it out of an endowment fund so that I could go. It was there that the Reverend Dr. David Rennick baptized my other son, Lawson. And then God called me to my third church in Columbia, South Carolina, who brought me in to be their associate pastor, my first ordained call into ministry. And they celebrated my ordination and affirmed my gifts for teaching and preaching and for pastoral care. It was there that I married many folks. I also buried many folks in that church. And I baptized many infants and even confirmands in the name of Jesus Christ. And then God called me here to First Presbyterian Church of Boone, North Carolina, where I've experienced nothing but love and support, nurture and encouragement to be a solo pastor who's constantly learning all the time. Not only have you supported me and encouraged my gifts for ministry, but you've also supported and affirmed my calling to pursue my doctoral degree. You know, I can't imagine God calling me anywhere else. Me and my family love this church so much, and we've loved every church that we've served together. You see, like Paul, I am thankful, and I give thanks to God when I remember the people of all of these congregations, those that we've celebrated with, those that we've mourned with, those that we've served with on mission trips together or on committees together, those that we have shared our lives with. And I considered these relationships to be holy ground, for they were established and exist because of our unity together in Jesus Christ. Paul, too, felt this way about the church in Philippi. In fact, the Greek word used here is eucharisto, which means to give thanks. Now, this is the same word that we use for the Lord's Supper. We also call it the Eucharist, the great thanksgiving. It's comprised of the Greek word charis, which means grace. In other words, Paul uses this word in two different ways. He speaks of, of grace as God's giving to us. And then he speaks of grace or gratitude in what we give back to God and to others. So Paul is grateful. He's thankful to God for his relationship with this church in Philippi. In fact, he frames it as a partnership, which means that they've not only been sincere friends with Paul, but they've also been faithful in financially supporting his ministry. Now Paul is separated from them, chained to a prison guard at all times, but he remains joyful because of their continued relationships, even at a distance. Truth be told, Paul will never see them again. He will be killed for his faith, but he writes to them to let them know how much they mean to him, continuing to encourage them in their relationship with Christ. 
He knows they're not a perfect church. He knows that there are some issues with factions and agendas that he will address later in his letter, but he writes to them with a real affection and with love. And everything he encourages them in is in love. He says, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains or defending or confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Paul literally says that he longs for them with the bowels of Christ Jesus. This affection is being moved with compassion, that feeling in your gut when something changes. You see, you know what I'm talking about because any parent who's ever moved their child into their college dorm room for the first time and has given them a hug and then left them there knows exactly what I'm talking about. While you're happy for them that they're growing up and they're moving into something new and exciting, there's also a sadness and emptiness that you feel because they're no longer at home with you. It's the same feeling you get when they get married and they move away. Absence makes the heart grow fonder, doesn't it? And sometimes we really don't realize what we have until it's gone. Now, Paul can't physically be with them, but he prays with thanksgiving in his heart to God for them, for the fellowship that he's had and that he still has, even from a distance. This fellowship is exactly what the early church enjoyed together after Pentecost. In Acts chapter 4, verse 32, Luke says, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. They shared everything. This is called fellowship. And in the Greek, we call it koinonia. And it's used here, and it's also used by Paul, who talks about the partnership of the gospel that they share together. It's both a sincere friendship and it's also monetary support. And the early church shared everything that they had with one another, making sure that nobody was in need because of their love together in Jesus Christ, because they knew that together all of them shared in God's grace, in God's undeserved love. And so do we. You see, it's amazing to me how a letter that was written almost 2,000 years ago can be so appropriate for us today. Paul was in prison, completely separated from his beloved church. He didn't know what the future would hold, but he knew the one who holds his future in his hands. And yet he could write to them with joy in his heart for their relationship in Christ and for the gift of these relationships, not just with a chosen few, but also for all of them. And while there's no one in our church today who is literally in prison, I know that this pandemic has changed things for us. It has forced us to have to separate. And while I'm sure that we're all thankful to have a home to live in, it can sometimes feel like a prison when you haven't been able to be around your church family. We were made to be in community with one another. We have been called and united together in Jesus Christ to worship and to fellowship, to study and to serve together. And those things aren't happening now in the same ways we'd prefer because of this virus that's continuing to infect people all over the world and even here in our community. And while it can often be depressing and inconvenient and even stressful for many of us, we still have so much to be thankful for. 
In fact, if absence does make the heart grow fonder, then I'm sure that you feel very much like I do. You miss every person in our congregation. You miss passing the peace of Christ with them with hugs and with handshakes, singing together, praying together, participating in the Eucharist and communion together, having Wednesday night meals together and Sunday afternoon potlucks together. You know, I think that we can appreciate our freedom to worship and being able to be a church in fellowship more now than ever. But we're called to be thankful people. We have so much to be thankful for. Thankful for food, for good health, for employment or retirement income. Thankful for a home. Thankful for our families, but also especially thankful for one another, our church family. Do you thank God every time you remember your brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you thank God for those you've gotten to know and serve with who have finished the race set before them and are now with all the saints in the kingdom of heaven? Do you thank God for those who challenge you and strengthen your relationship in Christ? Do you thank God for those who pray for you, who think of you often, who send you a card in the mail, an email or a text message, or even call you on the telephone? Do you thank God for those who have helped you in a time need. Do you even thank God for those who have a tendency to get under your skin? You see, if we don't do that, we really need to. For all of us together share in God's grace, we are in this partnership, this fellowship of sincere caring for one another, even to the point of sharing everything that we have to make sure that no one is in need. We are God's church, united in spirit, whether we gather in the sanctuary for worship together or even if we gather around our computers or our television sets for a virtual service or even communion. God's grace evokes our gratitude and his love ignites our love for one another, no matter where we are or where we find ourselves. You see, I find that this time of separation can do one of two things to us. We can easily get out of the habit of worshiping on Sundays and fill that time with something else, losing our deep connection with one another. Or we can remain connected through worship, through online classes throughout the week, or small group Zoom meetings, or youth group, or even children's ministry activities. And I know that it's a struggle because I'm an extroverted pastor who loves to be with people, but I encourage you to stay connected. I encourage you to engage and not to disengage. For if we're truly thankful for one another, we will do whatever we can to maintain our fellowship and our sincere friendship in the midst of this difficult time. The truth is, is that we need each other and we need to constantly pray for one another. You see, that's what Paul did. In fact, he thanked God for the past and for the present, and he even prayed for the future. He says, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. You know, his prayer is pretty simple. He prays that their love will increase, which will increase their spiritual maturity and will remind them of what's most important. And in turn, this will purify them in their obedience, giving glory to God.
Simply put, he tells them to let their gratitude for God's grace move them to greater love, to greater insight in spiritual growth, and to focus on what really matters in life. You know, COVID-19 has given us the opportunity to live this out, even from a distance. Absence does make the heart grow fonder. I miss every single one of you. I've never been separated from church for more than, well, maybe one or two Sundays at a time, much less for six Sundays or for six months and counting. And I would love to transport every single one of you and put you in the pews right here with me. But I know that that's not the safest thing to do. Nonetheless, as we seek to continue to stay connected as Christ's church in new and in different ways, I want to challenge you to do two things as you reflect on this message today. First, I want you to give thanks to God for someone or for several others in the church that you hold dear in your hearts. And I want you to pray specifically for them. Secondly, I want to encourage you to write a note of thanksgiving and encouragement to someone in our church family that God places on your heart. Take a moment to share with them why you are especially grateful for them. You see, sometimes folks have no idea that they have touched the lives of someone else. Let them know how much they mean to you. And really, this could be something that could be done on a daily basis, one note a day during the season of stewardship, during the season of thanksgiving together. I mean, isn't that what the Apostle Paul did for the church in Philippi? He prayed for them and he wrote them a thank you note and words of encouragement. It's a simple gesture that can mean so much to someone else. And so my prayer for us today is that together as God's people, even as we are separated from one another and at a distance, that together we would still be united in Christ, that we would recognize the importance of this community and of this fellowship, and that we would reach out and share our expression of thankfulness to God for those that God has connected us with. Friends, my prayer is that we would do so this day each and every day as we seek to be faithful to Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.